Raiden and I are always talking to you about your financial health. Today, we're mixing it up and we want to talk to you about your actual health and well-being. In order to do that, we have brought in an expert nutritionist, Andrea Grun. So as Mer said, we are excited because I think it's going to give us a nice overview. And she hits some really good points about simple things that we probably have never thought about. But you go, wow, if I just do this simple little thing, it can help me in a lot of different areas of my life. So Merce and I are so excited that you're with us today, but we would like to ask you for one small favor. If you've not done so, would you please give us a five-star rating and give us a review on the show? It certainly does help us when it comes to us keeping this show going, and uh, it would it, we would certainly appreciate it. Also, we want to make sure that this year we are focused on giving you exactly what you want with the podcast. So please send us a text if with any questions or any things you would like us to cover in the future. You can text us at 984 207 1753. Text us your questions, comments, whatever it might be, and we'll make sure that we cover it in the future. But for today, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stansel and Merce Tariq. Well, we welcome you all to our podcast today. We are, uh, as always, Merce and I, I tell you, we have uh, been able to have some fantastic guests on the show. And today is uh, going to be right there with one of the things that we are excited about and passionate about. We have Andrea Grun. And Andrea is, I, I will get her to clarify whether I'm saying this wrong, wrong or not, but you know, a nutritionist. And we feel that this is an important topic and you know, in, in the idea of COVID, uh, in particular, people have been worried about their immune system. But I will say that Merce and I, in our conversations with clients uh, and folks that we talk to, uh, obviously they're concerned about wanting to be healthy. They just want to make sure that they're they're doing everything they can to make sure that they have a a good, strong, long retirement. And and so we're excited to have Andrea with us. So Andrea. Thank you very much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for inviting me. I always enjoy and appreciate the opportunity to reach out and give people information on how to do just that, live longer, healthier lives. Great, great. Yeah, we're very excited. And uh, this is I think this is going to be a very fun, fun podcast today, fun topic to discuss a lot of things that can be semi-controversial or there's just a lot of opinions out there so it's always good to have an expert on board to give us some type of direction but uh andre if, if we can get started can you just describe for us what it is that you do absolutely i work with primarily individuals on whatever their health and nutrition wellness goals might be whether they're working with a disease state or a condition say high blood pressure or high cholesterol or diabetes or if they're just looking for ideas and ways um, 
and kind of a true definition of what it means to feed their family healthier, to get healthy meals on the table in a short amount of time. Um, so I work with people on, again, whatever their goals may be, but I really strive to help them establish very realistic and sustainable approaches. Some things sound like a great idea, but if it's not something that's going to work in your reality or in your world, then it's just not something we even need to pursue. So it's very important to me, again, to find things that are realistic and sustainable to help each person achieve their goals from the nutrition and wellness standpoint. Fantastic. So just out of curiosity, how long have you been doing this, Andrea? Well, I have been um, a dietitian for, we'll say, over 25 years without giving anything away. And I've been in private practice for a little over 15 years now. Okay, well, that's great. So before we dive in, can you just tell all of our listeners where you're from? Where'd you grow up? Absolutely. So I'm a Florida native, a very proud Florida native. My family has been there for about four generations, which is a rarity for Florida. Um, and I think that's part of what helped foster my interest in health and wellness and being healthy. You know, we grew up playing outside, good weather most of the year, lots of fresh fruits and veggies. And that's always, again, been of interest to me and the way I like to live my life and want to help others realize that same, the same benefits that I feel. Fantastic. So we're going to just kind of jump right in now and start kind of getting into some of the, the details about what we would like to learn from you. And I'll tell you that as people are listening to this, mm -hmm. um, it, for, for when you actually are listening to this, it's the new year, it's in, in beginning of the year. And a lot of times in the beginning of the year, of any year, people say, well, I've got a New Year's resolution. I'm going to try to do something this year. It's going to be different. And they'd usually do that in the beginning. And we know what happens uh, to those goals sometimes. So could you kind of, as a person who's working with people around their goals, help us to kind of give your opinion of, uh, if you want to call it, somebody setting that New Year's resolution. Like, how do you, how do you view that? Do you feel that that's a good thing, a bad thing? Or is there any caution around that? Well, anytime somebody's motivated to make a change, whether it is the turn of a calendar year or a birthday or whatever the case may be, I'm always supportive of positive changes. What I do caution people about, and again, when I work with folks, this is what we do, is looking at what the goal is, but setting something very realistic or realistic approaches to get to that final place. What oftentimes we all have seen and perhaps have done ourselves is we set very ambitious goals at the beginning of the year. Um, maybe uh, the number of times I'm going to work out or I'm going to throw everything out of my refrigerator and pantry and start over again. And again, on the surface, it's a great idea. And ultimately, perhaps that is what needs to be done. But what also happens is the burnout. We have set such an ambitious goal that it's difficult not just to meet the goal, but to sustain it. And when we set a goal and don't meet it, then we get feelings of uh, failure, lack of accomplishment, like we are not going to be able to achieve our goal ultimately. And so it's very discouraging and dissuading. So this is where I go back to setting very realistic 
achievable goals, we've got all the great positive feelings when we do that. And then we can build on that to reach the next step and the next step and the next step. So instead of going from zero to 60, we're gonna slowly ease into this thing and make changes um, as we're able, but moving in the right direction. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I would say me personally, I am definitely definitely a victim of New Year's resolutions because <laughs> I just do them every year and, you know, almost never make it past January sometimes. And it, it's just, <laughs> it's very difficult because I'll set these lofty goals and then you kind of get to February, March and you're like, well, that was a good effort. We'll try again next year. But I do agree. I, and my, my wife is all about just being realistic in, in the way that you have your diet or your physical activity levels and just finding some way to be realistic that you, you can also be consistent with. So I'm fully on board with that. I think um, New Year's resolutions, they can, be, they can be as difficult as you make them sometimes. And so, you know, I, I've learned my lesson over the past few years. Um, so with that said, we're in this difficult environment right now 2020, COVID, everyone's worried about contracting COVID, everyone's worried about their immune systems and what they can withstand. And in particularly for our clientele, that's typically 55 and uh, 55 and older. The question is, is, well, what are some things that they can be doing now to help boost their immune system? So whether it's the flu or a cold or, or even with COVID, you know, that can give them the best, uh, best strategy going forward. Well, really, I ask people to look at a two-prong approach. There are things that we may do or that we are putting in our body or are exposed to that are going to be a negative or a draw on our immune system. <clears throat> so we want to stop doing things that may be impairing our immune system in the beginning, right? So things like Soda consumption is a big one. We want to look at overall sugar consumption because sugar is very challenging to the body and can suppress the immune system. We want to look at the processed foods, things with a lot of additives that, again, are very challenging to the body and can take the toll on our immune system. So while I'm looking at limiting or reducing some things that are a draw or a negative to my immune system, I also wanna look at the positive things. So what can I do to support my immune system and boost it as much as possible? And that's when we're looking at, like everyone has heard before, eating lots of fruits and veggies. And now they don't all have to be fresh fruits or vegetables. So I do want to make the um, point that even frozen vegetables, which is usually the frozen option, but even frozen fruits can be very high in nutrient value, sometimes higher than the fresh version. If the fresh version of a fruit or vegetable has been shipped a great distance, then quite often we're better off having the frozen version, which is retaining a higher nutrient value, especially when we're looking at, again, supporting that immune system. So I wanna have lots of fruits and veggies, the frozen version is fine. We do want to focus on foods that are high in vitamin C. And vitamin C, we always think initially of the citrus fruits, which are in season right now, but also other foods that are common to us, whether they are peppers, the red or 
orange or yellow or green peppers, <clears throat> spinach and leafy greens are a great source of vitamin C. Broccoli is a wonderful source of vitamin C. So we really wanna make sure and support our vitamin C status through our foods. Another very strong immune supporting food or su immune supporting component is zinc, right? And I've been, um, uh, through COVID, I've been seeing more and more advertisements <clears throat> for supplements with zinc, but let's try and get all of these nutrients through our foods as much as possible. So with our zinc, we're going to look at things like nuts and seeds, lentils and beans. Again, real foods that are fairly easy to incorporate in our daily diet, but that give me those immune boosting components. Now it's not a food, but I do wanna remind people that exercise always boosts our immune system. So even a short walk every day, if it's inclement weather outside, we can do a walk at home or walk in our living room while I'm watching TV. But some type of exercise always helps to boost the immune system in addition to the foods that we are eating and the ones that we're trying to reduce or eliminate. Great. That's uh, all fantastic. I never knew about the broccoli, by the way. I like broccoli. So of all those things, like, okay, I'll eat broccoli. Mm -hmm. so, uh, recently, Andrea, we had um, an interview that we did with a gentleman who uh, talks about the benefits of playing the card game bridge. And one of the benefits of playing bridge is, is it helps us with our minds and our memory and all those kind of things. So I got a question with food. If I'm thinking about, hey, I want to have good brain health. I want to make sure that I'm trying to you know, keep my brain as sharp as possible. Are there foods that we can eat that will help us with our brain health? Absolutely. And it may come as not a huge surprise, but foods that are good for our brain health are usually the similar ones that are going to boost my immune system, right? So once we get on the path of eating these healthy foods, it's going to benefit us across the board. Now with brain health or maintaining our brain and cognitive status over the years, there are certain things that we want to make sure and include. One thing in particular is blueberries. Now all berries are good for us, but blueberries in particular have been shown to help maintain um, our short-term memory much better than some other berries, decrease or lessen the impact of aging and cognitive decline. So we really wanna try and increase or include the berries on a fairly regular basis. The next food or nutritive component to really focus on are the omega-3 fats. So whether I'm eating some salmon or fatty fish throughout the week, whether I'm getting my omega fats from a vegetarian source, such as walnuts or flax seeds or chia seeds, the omega fats research has shown us is very important for long-term memory preservation as well as, again, just age-related dementia. And there's even some studies with the omega fats decreasing uh, the risk of or the incidence of Alzheimer's disease. So again, omega fats are fairly easy to get in our diet. We can, again, do the fresh um, or do the fatty fish. If we're going to do salmon, we want the wild caught. That's important. 
But with salmon, we can also do the canned salmon. Most canned salmon is from wild caught salmon. So it's at a much better price point. It's easy and convenient to have in the house all the time. And we can open the can and make a salmon patty or flake a little bit onto our salad. We can do a lot of creative things to get those omega fats in our diet. Another one that's important, um, and I know I'll be everyone's best friend after this, is dark chocolate. Uh. So the components in dark chocolate, again, have really been shown to help not just decrease inflammation, which has a negative effect throughout our body, but especially in those very tiny vessels and capillaries in our brain. So it decreases the inflammation, but it also increases the blood flow to our brain. So we wanna make sure our blood, excuse me, that our brain is being well nourished through the blood flow and keeping, again, um, kind of our cognition and just our alertness decision-making on, on its optimal status at that point. Another big one, um, and this has become, uh, it feels almost trendy in the past few years, but there's good reason, is the spice turmeric. So turmeric has been very extensively studied over the past number of years. Turmeric is one of the best anti-inflammatory um, foods or spices that we have. Uh, it's um, uh, across the board, we've looked at it with cancer reduction, the studies have, we've looked at it with brain function, with decreasing that just again, age generated or age um, dependent cognitive decline, increases memory. If you are not a fan of a lot of turmeric, it's a spicy um, component to food, you can take turmeric in a capsule form. And the truth is I take turmeric capsule every single day based on the studies and what the science is showing us turmeric can do for us in the positive light. So again, easy to do. Um, we can add it to some foods. Uh, we can take it in the capsule. We can have a, um, there are teas that now have it, maybe a green tea with a little turmeric and ginger mixed in with it. So there are lots of different ways we can consume it or get it into our system, but it's definitely one uh, that I suggest we focus on. Now, the other thing I'm going to mention for brain health or for mental health real quick is fluids and maintaining our hydration status. As we go into winter, in general terms, people consume lower amounts of fluid. It's chilly outside. Nobody wants a big glass of cold water, but not just in the winter, but throughout the year, maintaining our hydration status is very important to our cognitive function. Even a dehydration as mild as a one or 2%, something that in general terms, one wouldn't notice can have an impact on our cognitive function. So lots of things we can do to support brain health that also support um, other disease prevention or other components in our bodies and wellness. You just, yeah. when you said that you made me and Merce both take a drink. We're like, I got <laughs> water in me. So you made us both do that. I have Good. a question, uh, um, and, and this is just a little side thing. I, I want to make sure, and it might be an obvious answer, but I went into Whole Foods and uh, not too long ago, and they had the wild-caught salmon, and then they had the, the uh, uh, what do you call Farm it? Farm-raised. Farm-raised, yeah. 
So I just thought I was going to do a taste test. So I got one of each and I brought them home. Mm-hmm. And the guy told me that, you know, you cook them just a little bit different, but very similar. So anyway, I did it. And I'm going to say, I, I thought that for me, and maybe just because I'm used to, I didn't like the um, wild caught taste as much as I like the, the farm race. So could you just explain a little bit about why you say <laughs> go wild caught versus the farm raised? Absolutely. And this is also going to have a part of an answer of why yours tasted different. When we eat or when we catch the wild salmon, the salmon is coming from its natural habitat. It's out there in the rivers eating what salmon are supposed to eat. Other little fishies, it's eating some algae, it's eating what it was meant to eat, which in turn allows its body to produce in this case, specifically the omega-3 fats that are benefiting our body, right? So the fish may be a little fattier because of what it's eating in the wild. When fish are raised in a farm type environment, they are fed a controlled diet. They aren't feeding them other little fishies. They aren't feeding them algae or the plankton or whatever else they were finding and eating in the wild. So they're eating a controlled diet, which does not in general terms supply the salmon with the things or with enough of the building blocks to create the omega-3 fats that give us such benefits. So lower omega-3 fats, which is less fat, which is probably why it had a more mild flavor to you because the fat gives it a distinct flavor, but it's also, we're also missing out on the higher fats that we want to get and that we benefit from by eating the salmon. Does that answer the question? It does. It does. It makes a lot of sense on that. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I was going to make a silly joke about farm-raised salmon, but I don't even know where I would go with that, but (laughs) (laughs) I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. But um, so, so going back to when you were talking about brain health, I had never heard that about blueberries. And me, myself, I'm not a, a very berry person. <laughs> Uh-huh. And that I don't eat a lot of berries, um, strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, whatever they are. I've just never been something that I've um, went for. My wife always keeps them in the fridge. And now with mm-hmm. our nine month old son, um, that, that was one of the first things that he started eating. And I think that he is um, me being a very proud father here. I think he's doing pretty well cognitively. So mm-hmm. it makes sense. Maybe I should start stealing some of his berries. Yeah, sounds um, like your wife has got the right setup at home. You've just got to follow her lead. Yeah, yeah. And that's a that's a whole nother podcast right there. 
<laughs> but so, and this may be a little self-serving because high cholesterol, high blood pressure, that runs in my family. And I know it's a, it's a common thing that I'm sure you see quite often. Um, so what, what do you say there about different foods or different diets that can help um, reduce high cholesterol uh -huh. and high blood pressure? Well, you can almost, you know, push the repeat button because a lot of the same foods that are helping me with my brain health are going to be the foods that help my body control or reduce the cholesterol levels. So we go back again to the wild salmon. We want to have it two or three times a week. We go back to um, the green tea in particular with ginger and turmeric. And there is a wonderful green tea that I buy that has that combination, but three very powerful anti-inflammatory agents. And part of what goes on, we'll say with my cholesterol levels or the damage that results from high cholesterol levels has to do with inflammation within the body. So foods that are going to reduce the inflammation are going to benefit every organ system in my body. So I've got my wild caught salmon, I've got my green tea, the turmeric, the ginger. I really wanna encourage people to increase their consumption of beans and lentils. Again, they came up a little while ago when we were talking, but beans and lentils are so high in fiber is one of their components. And that fiber, particularly with cholesterol, helps bind up some of the bad cholesterol and get it out of my body. So again, beans and lentils, fruits and veggies that are high in fiber, think Brussels sprouts, think greens, um, pears, um, plums, prunes, those types of things. Another thing that is very good, and again, we're looking at the healthy fats, with several of these items are nuts and seeds, right? So we're trying to consume some kind of nut or seed daily. And I'll go back and say with the beans and lentils, we're also trying to include a serving of those daily, whether it's um, some black beans with dinner or some hummus dip in the afternoon. The other one that's really important is garlic. Garlic, there's a compound in garlic that has powerful effects on cholesterol lowering. Now, you've got to uh, treat the garlic um, properly to make it work. So what I mean by that is when you cook garlic for a period of time, it changes the chemical composition of the component that's helping my cholesterol. So while we may saute some garlic at the beginning of a dish with some onions and get that beautiful flavor, we actually want to add some additional garlic at the end of the cooking process because that garlic will not have been exposed to an excessive or prolonged heat and it will not break down the component that's helping lower my cholesterol. So garlic in the beginning of the cooking process gives me great flavor and depth. Garlic at the end of the cooking process gives me the cholesterol lowering benefits. Great. Yeah, these are all great things. Uh, we appreciate it. So I got a question about, you know, I go to the grocery store and I walk down the aisle and, you know, they've got the, you know, different types of whatever it might be, fruits and veggies. 
And you see the one that says here, and it's just, you know, there, and then they've got this other one in the right next to it, and it says it's organic. And we get all these different advertisings about advertisements around organic versus non-organic. Is that just really good marketing or is the organic really better for us? I mean, what, what's, how should we lean in that direction? Um, so there is some really good marketing involved, but there's also some truth to it, right? So what we want to do is um, every year the, um, there is a listing of foods, produce in particular, that is posted to a website. Um, and it's the Environmental Working Group or EWG.org. I have no affiliation with them, but every year they test produce to see which produce items are highest in pesticide and chemical residue. And I don't mean what's on the outside of the produce, I mean on the part inside that you're going to eat. And so they do the testing and they come out with a list that is called the Dirty Dozen. Some years um, it's the Dirty Dozen plus a couple of extras because as they do this testing, they are ranked in order or assigned numbers. So I use the Dirty Dozen list as my guide to help me decide what I need to buy that's been grown organically because I don't want the pesticide and chemical residue. So for me, if it's on the Dirty Dozen list, I'm gonna buy those items in an organic form to limit my exposure. Now, if something, when I, we can look at the full listing, if another um, item that my family consumes a large quantity of happens to be number 13 or 14, it didn't make the dirty dozen list. It just missed the cut, but we consume a lot of it. So I personally am still gonna buy those items in organic growth or from an organic um, growing environment. The items that are farther down on the list, I'm not gonna worry about buying those organic because my exposure simply isn't that high. So from the produce standpoint, I follow the dirty dozen list, maybe, you know, numbers 13 or 14 or 15, depending on my consumption rate, but the rest of them, I'm not going to spend my organic budget or my organic dollars on those. I am gonna spend my organic dollars if I consume dairy products, I definitively want those raised in an organic fashion and as much meats, right? So this goes back to the wild caught salmon versus the farm raised, but the same thing holds true with beef, uh, with the chickens, with any other meat product. I want that animal eating as much or as close to its natural diet as possible because that's what he was made to eat as opposed to something that's being fed um, in a barn or uh, less, uh, we'll say less free roaming type setting. Gotcha. So does that answer that question and give you some guidance about spending of the organic dollars or how to make the decision? Absolutely. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah I think so. I mean, because it, it, when you walk into the grocery store, it just, it can be overwhelming. You've got uh -huh. seven different types of tomatoes and, and some are organic, some are not. And so it's nice to have some direction as far as, well, which ones actually make sense and which ones are okay for you if they're not 
organic to a degree. Right. And the listing will delineate between, you know, a grape tomato versus a cherry tomato versus, you know, the larger tomato. So they will get fairly specific. In some years, they will actually differentiate between um, something that's grown domestically versus something that's imported. So the imported version, you may, that may make the dirty dozen or not. And the one that's grown domestically may be somewhere else on the list. Right. Okay, so so we're sitting here in January and we've got our listeners probably coming up with things that they want to do differently this year. So what are what are what is something that for someone that's 55 plus you had a few tips that you could give them as far as what they could be thinking about if they're trying to change their diet or levels of activity, just a couple little things because we still want to be realistic. So what are a couple of things that you would say, you know, if you're going to do something here's here's an idea. We know that exercise benefits everything in our body, right? It helps boost my immune status. It helps maintain my weight, my blood sugar. It has a positive impact on cholesterol, on my blood pressure. So if you're not currently active, make a plan to become active. Again, this is where we're making maybe conservative goals. Just set a goal that you will do something for 10 or 15 minutes most days of the week but start somewhere. Don't have the, I'm gonna you know, run two to five miles every day or something crazy. It used to be go to the gym you know, five days a week, but we might not be in the gym so much right now, but don't overshoot that exercise goal. Ease into it and let your body condition to it. The other thing, and we mentioned it earlier, stay hydrated. Please drink plenty of fluids. Again, it has a huge impact on not just our cognition and memory, but overall for our body. The next thing is a big one in our general, I'll say society is sugar consumption. Really try and begin to moderate your sugar consumption. And even if you say, well, I never eat desserts and I'm not a big candy person, sugar is hidden in so many places in our foods uh, today that once you start to pay attention or read the labels, you'll be shocked. It's in ketchup, it's in salad dressings, it's in our bread, but becoming aware of where the sugar is coming from and working to moderate that. Again, sugar is one of the biggest inflammatory agents because of the quantities that we consume. And we've already talked about inflammation affecting lots of different systems or issues in our body. Um, so I'm definitely going to hit those three. I am probably going to, um, I'm going to drink more. I'm going to exercise some. I'm going to watch the sugar content. And in all honesty, in the current environment that we're in, meaning in the midst of the pandemic still, getting ready to close things down a little bit more, really being aware and taking care of your mental health. If it's your stress levels, finding appropriate outlets, which could be exercise, but recognizing and managing those levels. Stress leads to excess eating quite often, not of the right things. Most people aren't stressed out and they're eating, you know, squashes or carrots. They're stressed out and they're eating 
high carbohydrate foods that are going to convert to sugar very quickly in your body. So really looking at that mind-body connection and finding ways to uh, deal with the stress that we deal with every day in our lives, whether it's the washing machine breaking or the kids not sleeping through the night for you perhaps, and then the big players that come in like the pandemic. So I, I might start there and then again, personally reflect and think about, you know, what's something small I can start with and build on that. Well, Andrea, this has uh, been extremely helpful. I, I know that Merce and I both uh, have learned a lot and uh, it just, it, it's kind of like some things you go, oh, okay, that makes sense. But then when you put it into the context of some of the things that we're thinking about, it just, it puts it all together and helps us to kind of go, okay, well, then these are some good things that we can put into practice. And like you said, it doesn't sound that hard. It does not like we're trying to do uh, uh, some kind of vast difference in our life. We're just trying to hone it in. So Thank yes. you so much. We do appreciate it very much. We wish we could sit here and talk to you uh, much longer, but uh, we've run out of time. But thank you so much for coming on the show. I know that what you've shared with uh, us and our listeners is certainly beneficial. Could you do this before we go, though? If somebody wanted to reach out to you and maybe get more information, where could they go and get information from you? Right. So just check out my website. It's nutritionandrea.com. And there are ways to contact me through the website. Hopefully you'll learn a little more information um, that will help you on the site. But absolutely reach out, ask questions, you know, think about things. Uh, but working towards that, working towards our improved wellness is just a path and taking that first step or two sometimes is all it takes to get you moving down the path into a better place. So I encourage everyone Take a couple first steps and it'll be much easier. Great. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Again, we're, we're very happy that we had you on the day. Have a good afternoon. Thanks, you too. And thanks again for having me. All right, everyone. That wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.